Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share inspiring stories and tips on facing vulnerability and the lessons we can use to help us be able to find success and fulfillment in our own lives. With each episode, we hope to impact one listener. And if anything you've heard has impacted you, we'd appreciate you sharing it on social. Thank you for listening. Now let's get vulnerable. Brittany Burgunder said, I think sometimes making yourself vulnerable before you are ready is exactly what can hold you accountable. Do what you fear. This is episode 41 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Anthony Williams III. At just six weeks old, he had to have stomach surgery because he wasn't keeping food down. Then at two years old, he had a heart murmur. Health issues would continue to present themselves as he grew up, making it hard for him to do much of anything. It was challenging just to make friends because he couldn't exactly explain his complicated health issues. But thanks to his parents instilling great values in him of not giving up, he was able to start playing hockey and almost went professional. Now, as the author of On Borrowed Time, he's inspiring others to realize that life is not promised and that we all need to do more to make the best of it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Anthony Williams III. Hey, Anthony, thank you for coming on the Vulnerable Podcast. Uh, you were a referral from our mutual connection, Byron. Uh, he said you had an interesting story, and uh, considering he does himself, I, 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 wanted to, I chose to believe him and wanted to have you on. So thanks for uh, taking the time to come on today. Well, thank you for having me on today, Brian. I appreciate it. So the first question I ask every guest is, what is your definition of vulnerability? Um, <clears throat> it's, a, it's definitely a good question. Uh, <laughs> vulnerability is... is uh, I would have to say that it's unexpected, right? You don't, you don't walk into being vulnerable. I don't think at first, I think you kind of get broken down into being vulnerable. I'm a big fan of like Brene Brown. And I think that uh, there's a point in your life where you have to accept it. And that's what I mean by getting broken down. I don't think, I don't think anybody just wakes up. It's kind of like humility, right? <laughs> I don't think you just wake up and you're like, Hey, you know, humility is where I need to be today. Yeah. I think that that comes with time. And that, that usually is sparked by some sort of event whether that's a good event or a bad event or whatever it is. But I think that usually that, that transition takes place by some event. No, no, it makes sense to me. I mean, I, I look at sort of my podcast here, the, the point of it is to sort of pull lessons from the struggles and the vulnerabilities. And, and I feel like that's sort of what you're saying is that you have to sort of get into those situations to then learn that, you know, you got to face them and, and that's how you sort of get into, you know, looking at your own vulnerability. So I definitely agree with what you have to say. So what would you say thinking back would be your earliest memory and, and go far as far back as you want? I mean, I've, I've had some people that were like five years old and had stories and some people that were like in high school. So what would you say is your earliest memory of facing some sort of vulnerability or struggle in your life? Birth. <laughs> so, um, no, and on a serious note, yeah, I mean, it, it, from a very young age uh, in my book, you know, On Borrowed Time, it's it, if you read that book, you'll get a really good understanding or for the people who know me would get a really good understanding in that. And, and what I mean by that is from birth, it was, you know, at six weeks old, I had surgery on my stomach for, uh, you know, just, just not being able to hold uh, food down, right. It was called the pyloric stenosis. So that was something that took place. So I had to have stomach surgery in that sense. Um, but around the age of two, just a heart murmur you know they thought it was a heart murmur nobody knew what the reasons were right it wasn't a genetic thing it was something that just started to show up so ever since i was a little kid uh it, it, being vulnerable was just kind of part of the routine 
right? When you, when you have a heart issue at a young age, it, it, first of all, that's one thing that kids don't understand. Um, you know, you break your leg, kids understand you broke your leg, right? Or you can't do this because this doesn't work. You, you talk about a heart issue, you know, to five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds, what kids understand a heart issue? Kids don't understand a heart issue, okay? So kind of being labeled different, not being able to play the sports, the same sports as other kids, um, eventually overcoming that, right? That was the part of the book of, of spreading the hope and overcoming that being vulnerable or, or feeling left out. Um, but being able to overcome that and start a hockey career was kind of like a coming out party in that sense of, you know, now that I look back at it, since you're asking me that question of being able to start to overcome that vulnerability, because eventually what happened was there's a lot that to unpack in that small time frame, right? There was sexual abuse that took place uh, at, at around the age of nine. So you want to talk about being vulnerable and exposed. I mean, I don't know how much more vulnerable and exposed than you get than that, right? Or not being able to speak up about it is being vulnerable and exposed. So that's what I mean by... Yeah. You know, once, once <clears throat> there's an event that usually sparks that and opens that up, you know, opens up Pandora's box in some, some way. No, definitely. So what would you say, I mean, going back, you know, and we can touch on all of it, but going back to like those first sort of health issues that you had to deal with. And like you said, you know, being, you know, six or seven years old and, and trying to explain to other kids, you know, that you had this issue and, and sort of being different, what would you say helped you sort of overcome that? What was it that, that helped you get through that point in your life? I, I think upbringing, right? <clears throat> so my father's a, a truck driver. He works, he works for, you know, local 456, the union in, in New York, right? And my mother was a stay-at-home mom, but I was born and raised in an Italian family and, uh, you know, Italian culture. And it's, it's not saying that one's better than the next, but to give a little context as to the mindset was we just didn't give up, right? Like you, it, it was just ingrained in us that you just, you work hard. You're going to fail at things. That's fine. Um, you're going to succeed at some things. That's fine too. Uh, but you don't give up. It wasn't in us to quit. Right. So from a very young age of even starting to play baseball, because, you know, baseball was easier than hockey with the context and everything. Yeah, else, yeah. Right? And so when I was, even while I was playing baseball, it was just, you're, you run the first base. You don't, I don't care if that ball was hit to the pitcher, you run the first base. Don't give up right? If you're going to play a sport, you play the whole way through. I don't care how bad your team is. So from a very young age, that was instilled that it, it was, you were not allowed to give up. And uh, that just carried into regular life. Oh, I think that's an incredible skill to learn at a young age, because uh, I think that even now, some of us uh, really struggle with that as adults, especially, you know, we try and do these things. I mean, for myself included, you know, trying to start a business and do all these things. And at some points you get to the, you, you're just sort of standing there going like, is this even worth it? Like, do I just like give up? And, and it's whether you're not, you have that resilience and, and that attitude to sort of not give up and move forward that makes all the difference. So the fact that you learned that at such a young age, um, I can I can only imagine made a difference for your life overall. So, what new strength would the strength that you discovered be like that that resilience that that attitude of not giving up? Would that be the strength that presented itself from that, or was it something else? Well, it's failure. It's acceptance. I think, um, and you know, we'll go into this more, but kind of like a, a ten thousand foot overview, right? So you go from facing adversity from birth and to whatever extent. 
then you go to say sexual abuse, then you go to blood disease, then you go to heart disease, then you go to being given less than 48 hours, then you go to heart surgery, then you go to recovery from heart surgery, then you go to you know addiction, failed careers, and you go into all of this stuff that takes place. Sorry, my, my kids are running around like no, angry little good. people because of the, uh, <laughs> the you know, United States meltdown that's going on. <laughs> so it's so, all good what uh i think you know when you when you look at the timeline in that sense i think you have to really start to look at what makes you up as a person right this, this is stuff that's developed over time and i think the more that you experience and the more that you actually overcome issues in your life no matter how big or how small not everybody can be faced with the same size event, right? So you break your leg at the age of 10, I had sexual abuse happen, right? At the age of 14, you, you got turned down, you know, by a girl and I had blood disease, right? No one's lives are ever gonna be exactly the same. So what I think the, the best thing for any listener is to take away is, what can you pull from that story that was strength? Right? We can't have the same events we can't have the same thought processes we don't have the same lives you know if even if we take it to today um there are kids that through this pandemic right and and however whatever severity you think of what's going on in the world today you can tie that in 10 years from now to 10 years prior to now right you can mm -hmm. do that to 30 years prior to now there are kids out there that really aren't in good situations. They got a terrible home life and school was their outlet and now school's closed, right? Yeah. So that's, that's a, a drastic situation. Then you go back to when I was growing up and okay, so I was touched at a young age and it was, it was something that I didn't know how to talk about. Well, how do you overcome that? You gotta, you gotta start pulling the good from all of it. I don't care if you're starting a business or you're recovering from a, a traumatic event. Psychiatrist, psychologists, therapists, they could all read a book and tell you this is the clinical definition of what you're going through. The same thing you could hear from an entrepreneur, business expert, investor, I don't think it really matters. What I have found across the board is you need to find some sort of positive light and then you go with it. You put your head down and you keep going and you just keep creating and you don't listen to the noise ever so much more today than ever before in our lives, right? You have social media and you have distractions that will, will suppress you from what you're trying to achieve because there's just an overload of information and a lot of it can be negative. And I think that that's a, a contributing factor to kids today. So to, uh, to go past all of it, really simple, you've got to find that really, really good spark, something in there and take it, get creative and have fun. No, the one thing that I found interesting is when you started off and I said, what is the strength you discovered? And you said failure. So one thing I've constantly said in previous episodes and just in conversations in general is that this, this quote, I guess that I've heard somewhere and I don't know who said it, but it's, there's no such thing as failing only learning. And what I found interesting about what you said, and I've never sort of given thought to is the fact that, that we can look at sort of failing as that strength. It's that sort of the more that you fail or the more that you sort of face those barriers that you're sort of continuing to build this strength because if you're if you can face them and move move on 
you're just, again, resilience is again, another word I brought up and and I think sort of goes in here, but I've just never really heard of it put that way is in sort of is looking at failure as a strength, but it does definitely make sense. Well, so I, I, look, I'm not reinventing the wheel, right? I'm just, I'm, I'm bringing a new tire to the, to the bike, right? Like that's the, that's the way I approach life. Mm-hmm. It's something that if you ask people who have known me, that's a phrase that I use on a, on a consistent basis, right? I, n- I don't look to reinvent the wheel. I, I don't really think that there's new wheels to reinvent. <laughs> the, sa- the same thoughts that, that I look at video games. Like what games, right? Just, just, as a, just as an overall, my background's in game design and game development. So look at, being realistic and looking at everything, like what, what video game are you going to get that you haven't seen before? Yeah. It's not going to happen. You you might get little bits and pieces of different games, and that mashup of those things makes a unique experience. But the truth of the matter is, like you're not getting something brand new, like yeah. you've never seen or touched. The same thing with a book. The same thing from entrepreneurs. The same like everything that we have today. It's about the creative spin that you put on it, right? So, my creative spin is, I I I don't reinvent the wheel. How else do you learn in life? Right. It, it, for me, for you, for everybody, from the beginning of time, we learn through stories, no matter how stupid the story was, no matter how wonderful the story was, no matter how elaborate, no matter how concise. It doesn't matter. When a story was told, there was a, there was a, a, a thought, there was a premise, and there was an intention. Right. So that, that they satisfied all. The thought was, here's the story. The premise was, we want to inspire people and the intention was to get it out to as many mass people as you possibly can inspire them and maybe there was a good or a bad intention attached to that story whatever whatever it may be well with that comes experience with experience comes failure comes success comes knowledge you could go to school every day learn math equations you become an accountant or you become a physicist or you become an engineer if you don't understand how to utilize those calculations properly, all you have is damn calculations. And I think that that's what people get tripped up on because, and this is not going into politics or this is not going into people's personal lives. Cause I personally, I don't care what people do in their personal lives, right? Like I, as long as you're not hurting other people, you know, as long as you're, you're being a good human being and we're all giving back in some way to me, that's, success, right? Well, if you handle things differently, you have a different mindset. If kids aren't allowed to fail, we have to find something across the board, in my opinion, because if kids aren't allowed to fail, then you get a bunch of entitled individuals who expect success. And that is extremely difficult. Because I think we have a lot of that now. And people who call themselves entrepreneurs, or people who call themselves um, experts or people like I see the words thrown around all day long and I'm not here to bash anybody. But the truth of the matter is an entrepreneur is someone who is very beaten, who is battered, who came out on the other end. It is not a glorious, right? It's like being an author. It's like, you know, we're going like, we, we just started having a brief conversation before we started talking here and you're starting a business. Dude, that is petrifying right? That, that is the scariest thing that anybody could ever go through starting a business because you are literally standing at the edge of the cliff, right? And, and it's either you take a step back and you pull away from everything that you've been trying to go, go forward with, or you just, you jump. And with experience, 
you you understand how wide to hold your arms out you know whether do you have a take a blanket with you as protection you know what i'm saying like yeah. there's a million different things that you can do but you won't ever know that so that's why i think more now than ever with some of the conversations and interviews that i've done start aligning with mentors you know and start talking with people connecting like this virtual life of like i could text you and you'd be like hey i'm a huge podcast host and and I, you know, I'm doing this and we're doing that. And it's like, oh my God, my life's going to change by Thursday. Right. And, and it's not true, but yeah. you, you go and have a conversation and now it's like, well, I'm going to use this platform for this because this, like start using your brains. We have a lot of ways to, to, you know, to look through and cipher through information, but we don't do it. No, for sure. I think the, the couple of things that I really took from what you said there, one is I think that aside from like the whole entitlement thing, which I completely understand, but I think the other portion of that is the fact that we have to look at how we define certain things as well. Because I think, you know, in terms of the word entrepreneurship, in terms of the word success, yep. there's too many definitions that we're letting society sort of dictate. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're saying that, you know, success is having a big house and a nice car and this and that. And being an entrepreneur is like having like a, a multi-billion dollar company or something like that. When you can be an entrepreneur, that's really more of a small business owner and success can be, you know, having a family and, and, you know, being happy with having, you know, your couple of kids and your nine to five job, but it just depends on how you define it. I think that's something that we all have to get more aware of um, aside from just, you know, feeling like, like you were saying, aside from just the feeling of entitlement or feeling like, (laughs) you know, like anything can be done or whatever. It's just, we need to, because for me, I struggled with that for years, you know, success was that thing of a certain salary, a certain job title, a certain size house and this and that. And in the last few years, I realized none of that really matters because you can have all that and then you're still going to feel miserable. You're still not going to be as happy. Like you have to be very clear on how you sort of define success. Look at, look at some of the most famous people. They're not really on social media, (laughs) right? Like, I mean, let's call it how it is that the CEOs of major companies don't let their kids play video games. Yeah. Right. Like, or certain tech, you know, technological advances, Mm -hmm. like, you know, they, they, they're sheltered from, you know, the certain things that the masses are doing, right? Like this never opened anybody's brain, right. Or, or caused any questioning for people saying, how come, how come these people aren't doing it? I think, there's a there's a real problem with understanding the journey you know where we started the journey that we took and the end point so where where i differ probably from people is i don't really think the journey ever ends i think it shifts i think you know kind of like a train track or a freeway you get off an exit you get to a different location right yeah. um the journey's always going to be the hardest, most difficult. I don't think the journey ever ends. So I think we all have to overcome that stuff on a daily basis. It's kind of like sobriety, right? It's, it's like recovery in essence, like it's a lifelong journey and you never actually, you never stop it, right? You, you might fall off the bandwagon. You might have some hiccups. You might, you know, find some really, you know, dark days that, that are still to come. And that's kind of part of the process. Like it's, it's a very difficult thing. And I know not everybody can relate to that or is going to deal with that, but that's okay. But I think when you're dealing with business or entrepreneurship, or you're in the creative space, like we are today with all of the tools and access that we have, I just think we go for convenience as opposed to, you know, what, what is really worth it for people out there. Right? Like we, I don't know why, has anybody else thought of this? Why do we have so many different social media platforms? <laughs> right. I, I mean, you know, like every time, so 
think about this and people really don't talk about it. It's something that I'm going to include in another book. So um, I think it'll be beneficial to have as a conversation, but uh, <laughs> we started off with MySpace. Um, MySpace went to Facebook, Twitter released kind of around the same time. There were two different platforms. People were like, okay, let's have fun with this. Uh, IG came out. Facebook's like, ah, you're one of those that we couldn't get before because Google bought YouTube and we think that we can do this with it. So we're going to buy you. Then you have kick. Then you have TikTok. Then you have LinkedIn. Like, so now LinkedIn's where, where LinkedIn satisfied this really, really niche space of professionals. Now everybody's kind of getting pissed off because LinkedIn is starting to get all those marketers to come through because they're is traction between LinkedIn because people were actually engaging, right? Because yeah. it wasn't a platform that was smashed with nothing but marketing and ABCD that, that people didn't want to deal with. So now you have almost like anything else, you have like the people wanting to police the platform mm -hmm. and that's what happened across all the other ones, you know, and, and honestly, people ruin things. Look at the game industry. Guys, I have, I have a degree right here on my wall, Bachelor of Science degree in game design and game development. I left Full Sail uh, University with the Academic Achievement Award, Leadership and Team Building Awards. And I'm going to tell you this, the game industry has fallen into the same problem. They let the customers dictate everything that they were doing and look what you have now. When was the last time you played a game with a narrative? Yeah, well, I, I haven't played for a while, but <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, just just comments that when was the last time that it, look how slow games are to come out? You can't like it's so much money to produce a damn narrative game that you're going to play through something that like you have a you know a real in depth story. Yeah. The most popular in games that people are playing are the ones that you can just jump in and jump out, completely customize everything, and really have no attachment. I'm not saying that I disagree with it. I like them a lot, but creativity wise, longevity wise, what do you have? Yeah. Right. Well, You're probably, yeah. So yeah. same thing, right? Look at pod, look, look at even what started happening with podcasts. Everybody wanted to be Joe Rogan. Yeah. Everybody wanted to be, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I get it. It's inspiration. It's way people are doing things, but like, I guess I just, I, I just don't want to see like, Oh my God, I have a totally unique podcast. It really comes down to the content. You know, what you're doing here of really digging deep into professionals that are out there that's admirable, man. It really is because now you're starting to understand how other people do it. The, the 1%, the one percenters, I guess, right. Of people that you constantly see on the media that you constantly see being interviewed, that you constantly see have successful prod projects out there. They have those networks guys. It's not just because their content is better than yours because if mm -hmm. you go read some of that content, it's terrible. Sorry. Yeah. It is. It's just the same. Right. But they're there because they're networks. So are you going to be a person that creates content to build different networks so that you have that same support that they built up? And remember, mm -hmm. they built that up over years. That didn't just start yesterday. So that's another misconception, I think, for people. So to not dump so much on you, I just think that there's misconceptions of even how to start things. Yeah. And people start going down the wrong path and they have in their mind that this is the way that Elon Musk did it. Yeah. You have no idea what his story really was. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And so you, 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 you're making an assumption. And then are you prepared to deal with what happens when you're there? Because it is not fun in games. Like Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Elon. Like 
all of these people, they were miserable. Like Steve Jobs on his deathbed's like, uh, I probably could have did without it. You yeah. know, like even though I made all this, look at them. They start finding other ways to find fulfillment. So long story short, I think back to your vulnerable question, I think once you actually start to get vulnerable, I think you actually start to parse what's fulfilling for you and what isn't. And I think that that's crucial to your success. No. And, and so the, the big thing that I pulled from that, uh, from what you just said there is, is I think you have to find, and, and again, this goes back to what I said about defining success, but I think it just, in, in general, I think it's, you have to find the meaning behind what you're doing. Like you were saying in terms of a podcast. Yeah. There's been hundreds of thousands of podcasts that have started over the last few years, because I think a lot of people, like you said, just saw, Ooh, this looks like something that's popular. So let's try it but they didn't have the real meaning behind it. And if you don't have that, you don't have the drive to continue doing it. Like for me, the reason I started doing this is because I, you know, started networking with people through LinkedIn, found, met a lot of people that had really interesting stories and started mm -hmm. to see like, wow, oh, okay, wait, you've done this, but you were, you sort of survived this. And yeah. did and this thing that you survived have anything to do with where you got to now? And when I realized, like I said earlier in the podcast that you can sort of learn lessons from the the vulnerabilities and the struggles that you go through. I was like, well, let's see if we can do something here. And I started this as an article series. And then I realized writing thousand word articles takes a long time. So I was like, <laughs> let's, let's flip it over to a podcast. And then I realized very quickly like that, you know, it wasn't about getting hundreds of downloads or thousands of downloads. I've said this on multiple episodes that for me, it's about impacting one listener per episode. So I know why I'm doing this. Right. So again, like I was saying, it's, it's having that meaning behind it and knowing what that is and not just doing it because it's the next flashy thing or like even in terms of social media, getting onto the next social media channel because you think it's going to be the next one with, you know, the most traction or whatever you have to be. If, cause if you don't have that meaning, I don't think you'll continue. I think you'll just it's, sort of give up. And it's all difficult. It's all difficult. Like it's, it's not easy to talk on a podcast. Mm -hmm. It's not easy to make your guest feel comfortable. It's not easy to spark conversation, you know, and eliminate dead air, right? There's yeah. a lot of things that you're, you're that you're <laughs> factoring in, you know, when you have these conversations, when you're when you're pulling a guest on, like I, I don't necessarily think people think about that, right? They, everyone just thinks, hey, I can talk, and they've got like three minutes of content. Where's the other 27 minutes if you're doing a 30 minute episode, right? Yeah. So that's really difficult. But like, once again, that's not made for everybody. The mm -hmm. same way that writing wasn't, you know, was something that I loved to do, uh, but wasn't something that I was known for. And then I went and wrote a book. Yeah. Like, like why not? You know, like I, I like to do it. It doesn't have to be perfect. It didn't have to be some sort of specific way, but I went and tried it. Yeah. Experimenting. Right? Yeah. So you got to experiment out there. I don't think people really know what they want to do. I just, I think people have been put pushed down a certain path or in a box, right? Like our whole family was accountants. You're going to be an accountant because we'll never, ever not need accountants. Oh crap. Here came TurboTax. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay, now what do we do? Um, you know, Hey, we're all painters. Oh my God. I'm now I'm dealing with painters from all over the world who have 20, 30 years of experience. How are my paintings going to be found? Right. So I think people deal with that on a regular basis. I think vulnerability in all seriousness, like if you don't feel vulnerable, you, there's a really big fall about to happen, right? Because that's my experience. Yeah. That, that is my, when, when you are not, when you don't have the self-awareness that you're vulnerable, that's Achilles heel, right? If we want to go back to really good 
old, you know, Greek stories. And we want to really talk about, you know, some amazing fluff that happened, you know, that taught people over the years. But just think of Achilles, this huge warrior. Nobody could touch him. Like they would call for him to save, you know, the Greeks. It was, it was all in there. Um, but let's really look at it. He had the most vulnerable little spot. It was this big. Right. And when that got hit, he was done. So, you know, for people out there listening, like, don't let that define who you are. That's why, you know, with everything I do, I, I push the hashtag keep going. That's why I always try and tell people like fail, try it again. I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, and this is coming from somebody just so you have some context in my book. I talk about it. When I first started my hockey journey, when I finally got over the being able to skate and I, I couldn't stop on ice, I couldn't stop on ice. So what happened was I would go to uh, skating rinks on Friday and Saturday nights and we'd go with friends and they would laugh at me. I mean, these are friends of mine. Like if we didn't, if we weren't talking trash to each other, we didn't like each other. So I expected it, right? That's the kind of culture that we grew up in because I grew up on the East coast. I grew up in New York and whether you like it or not, we had a lot of fun. We would talk trash, but we always knew people cared. It wasn't that way. Right. It was, it was yeah. joking around and keep you on your toes. Um, but I would just go crash into the boards. <laughs> Right. And if you know hockey, man, that hurts. I don't yeah. know if anybody understands that. I couldn't stop, but I wanted to make the team because I felt social pressure because all my friends were on it, that I was going to be the only one who couldn't. But everybody knew that I could play hockey, but I couldn't stop. So I was like Mighty Ducks. Remember the dude who was like really quick and he couldn't <laughs> stop? He would just crash in everybody. Well, that was me. I was just a missile. And uh, so I went and did it and I did it and I did it until eventually I stopped. And then... I became a, a person who was being viewed by colleges. I became a person who that conversation was starting to take place. Um, that's, that's why, that's why I tell people like my mentality is probably different than yours, but that's the mentality that I have. No, for sure. So, you know, getting in and getting back to your story and, and, you know, sort of the things that we touched on at the beginning of the ep episode in terms of, you know, the, the heart murmur, the, the abuse, the, blood disorder later on, all that stuff. Like, what would you say would be the toll that that took on you? Because I can only imagine, you know, you, you listed off quite a few things. I can only imagine that that must have taken some sort of, you know, emotional and physical toll as well. Like, how would you sort of put it into context? Well, I don't, I think it's really hard to quantify the emotional toll. Um, because I, I think that that's, that's something that you constantly have to deal with for the rest of your life. Right. So the emotional toll maybe at that moment is really heavy, uh, but it gets better. And I think for people out there that, that have dealt with significant issues, I always took this whenever I went to the rooms, you know, and I, I went to treatment and rehab was I would hear from people who had a lot of time that said, it doesn't get better, it gets different. And that's something that actually stuck with me for a very long time and still sticks with me today because I think... The best way to describe for people, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're writing your first book, if you're starting up a podcast, if you're overcoming a really big thing, how about you stop looking at it getting better and you start looking at that it's going to get different. And I think that that might help people, right? Because if you automatically in your head have this notion or assumption, it's going to get better and then it doesn't, you haven't set yourself up properly, right? We always talk about obtaining goals and setting goals and 
achieving those goals and let's be realistic and let's do the right thing. Well, how come we don't do that with our emotions? Yeah, it's true. I don't, right? We so, sort of ignore them and hope that, you know, like I, you know, I, I completely sort of agree with what you're saying because that was me for years. I just sort of ignored everything that I was feeling and was a very miserable person and just sort of, you know, put my head down and did what I had to do. Went to work, came home, paid bills, yada, yada, yada. Yep. <laughs> now take it one recently. step further. Take it yeah. one step further. Um, I was born in the 80s. I don't expect people to truly understand that. I know younger kids are like, you know, probably say, oh man, that was awesome. You had a lot of freedom, you know, compared to today. Well, let's think about it. Today, you talk about back then, feelings being suppressed, right? They always talk about that. You shouldn't be doing that. We don't want to go back to the way that that was. Okay. At least a human being was telling me not to do something. Now a phone is trying to tell me that, <laughs> right? And when you talk about when you, and I, I, I totally get adaptation. I'm not talking about the technology. I'm talking about the principle and the concept. And the principle and the concept is people would say, get up, don't give up, do this. Don't be a wuss, right? What is don't, don't be a wuss is not bad. That's good. Like maybe you are a wuss, then you're still good. Yeah. I don't think we need to, you know, beat the person up for it. But what's happening today? You're going to tell me it's that different? So you get shunned on social media and then people shame you across the freaking world as opposed to it happening just in the gym in my neighborhood? Yeah. Right? So when people say that, it makes me laugh. You're, you're, you're just, you're playing to the part of what benefits you now. You're not actually fixing any problems. <laughs> You're just playing to what benefits you in your pocket. And that's it. Like, look at, look at, uh, I'll, I'll call him out. I don't care. I told you I'm the protagonist. LeBron James, right? I, I love sports. I'm a huge sports fan. And I'm not, you know, for those people who are, who are big LeBron James fans, sorry, but here's some truth. <laughs> Before the NBA closed down the season, LeBron's over there. I'm not playing unless there's fans. I'm not doing this. You ain't getting me to do that. First of all, buddy, you are the face of the league. You still are. You're an amazing talent, amazing athlete, and I respect everything that you do. You are not the owner of the league. That's number one, right? You represent a portion of people who represent that league. Number two, technically, you're an employee, right? So you, yes, you should have your speech and you should do all of those things. You don't run the league. You yeah. don't even run your team. Right. And so that's number two. Number three, stop inciting and telling people below you, all the people looking up to you to not listen to the people who are running the place. Okay. That's number three. The best part about all of it was when he talked to his PR agent and he showed up the next day on national television going, I shouldn't be saying certain things. We need to, we need to listen to the leadership. Right. So I think that freedom of being flippant, yeah. You know, and throwing things out there because you have a platform, we're starting to see that less and less. And I think the the public isn't getting lost to that right now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think it's starting to be a little bit, it, it's starting to calm down. And I hate to say it, but I think this whole ordeal that's going on might be the best thing we could possibly do because I think it's like having one to two weeks with things really kind of being shut down will kind of stop that steamroll of a media cycle. 
Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> in some and, ways, I mean, in some ways, I think it's also like people are almost feeding off of it because I've gotten, I don't know how many emails over the last week from these people who have subscribed to their newsletter and everything's like coronavirus, coronavirus. And it's like, this really doesn't have anything to do with your business. So in some ways, I think it's it definitely, I agree with what you're saying, where it's sort of going to bring it to, you know, the fact that the world is sort of, you know, you can run without all these things going on or whatever. But at the same time, I think there's some people that are sort of taking advantage of the fact, I guess, in the sense of it being like marketable in some way. I don't know how, because I just sort of laugh at it, but. Look, right. Here's the best part. I, I always say this. I totally take everything that's happening right now seriously, but can somebody ask me, answer me this question? What do you need all that toilet paper for if you don't eat? <laughs> like I'm walking in and out of places and nobody's <laughs> buying food. Yeah. They're buying toilet paper. Like you'll have the cleanest butt. Yeah. If you ever have to go to a hospital, yeah. but you'll be malnutrition. Yeah, yeah. Right. So like, it, does it make sense? <laughs> right? No. So it, that's the other point, you know, like there are a lot of impressionable minds that are out there. Yeah. There's a lot of impressionable people. Um, I think, and I always start with, I think people say, I feel I no, I'm, I'm, I, I think this, how I feel is actually a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I think that people, they want to fit in. There's always that belonging of being part of society and being part of something greater. And social media gives a lot of times a false impression of yeah. that. But networking, who are we to ever say that who you network with isn't real? Because I think that networking is essence is social media 2.0 and it always has been right. Mm-hmm. Social media is the, is the, the catalyst of getting you into other people's ears, eyes and hands yep. and, and into their lives. And that's fine. And it truly is the message that you're portraying. But I think people aren't parsing that information. Um, I had a guest on one of one time on, on the interviews that, that I do. And, and, uh, he said, it's not a matter of how much information we have. It's, it's how you parse the information for you specifically. And I don't think people really know how to do that. I think people just take all the information and then they look at their friends and they go, okay, what do you, what do you like and what are you doing? And I'm going to do that. And they never actually give it thought. And I did that for a long time. I did it for a long time. I did it with hockey, especially because hockey was the only thing I cared about. I didn't care about anything else that was going on in the world. And guess where that mistake showed up? That mistake showed up when my hockey career got taken away. And now I had to like reinvent my entire life again. And I had no friggin' idea what I wanted to do. So not thinking for yourself, it, it can work for so long, but success may, may be back to your, one of your original points, su- success may hinge on your ability to adapt to the times or it may completely crush you. So you need to figure out where you sit, you know, which, which scale you're on. Are you going to adapt or are you going to let it crush you and you're going to start all over again? No, I think another thing that sort of comes to mind as you say that is I think a lot of us tie our identities to certain things, whether it be our jobs or for your, for your example, it was hockey, right? You, you tied your identity to being that hockey player. And, and then when it fell apart, you're like, well, now who am I? When at the end of the day, we're not really what we do if we're, 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 we're people, right? We're all humans. Yeah. And we need to figure out again, like I said a few minutes ago, that meaning to our lives and everything, because if we lose those certain things and then we get to these points where we're like, now what some people can get out of that and some people can't. Right. And it, it's, so it's, it's one of those dangerous spots. And I've had a lot of people talk about that on other episodes is where they've tied their identity to a sport, to a career, to something in their life. And then if they lose it, they're like, 
oh, now what? And then it's either some people, it's like, you know, a month later, they're like, okay, I think I'm figuring this out. And some people exactly. it's years, right? So you got to be very, very careful with that, I think. So, well, I think you just said something really important right there, <laughs> the time. People don't want to put in time. Yeah. So do most people know that like, you know, I just read one of his, I just read his book, Crushing It. Um, I've been reading a lot lately and I've been reading a lot lately because social media and the internet, I mean, you don't know what to believe. <laughs> I, like, no, I, I, I get it. Right. But there's always marketing ploys. I get so sick and tired of listening to people pitch. Yeah. Right. Even in my inbox, for God's sakes, like <laughs> I, all I hear is people pitch. It's like, Hey, yeah. can't you say hello first? Yeah. You know, like, um, but like Gary V this has been like more than 10 years, man. Yeah. This is not, you know, this is not six months and he's here. Um, Tony Robbins, Elon Musk. Um, I mean, go, go down the list, right? You've only started hearing about some of these people over the last couple of years. Guys, they were doing it 15 years prior to that. Or more. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so I'm going to be a blogger. Like, <clears throat> do most people understand? Blogging is one of the most difficult things to get a focus and you actually have to talk to people. Like if you read any stories of those successful people who started blogging when blogging was quote unquote cool. And, and first of all, the quote unquote cool thing, <laughs> like guys stop ranking what's cool and what's not when you use it. Right? Like you can rank it when you no longer use it. How about that? Yeah. Because if you still read people's blogs, why are you trashing it? You still read them every day. And guess what? A blog now are basically people's websites. So if you visit a website, you're reading people's blogs. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. Stop, stop trying to get clickbait, right? Of like, oh my, and sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to say this for the listeners out there. Can we stop with the how to books and the how to <laughs> mentality? Not, there are not 7,000 experts. Okay. On how to pick your nose on a Wednesday. Okay. There's one or two and I might be one of them. And I, all I'm going to say is I I'm just tired of like the, how to live your life, how to, here's the best way. Like, when are you guys going to realize like there's been 82 of these. And when you read that book, there might be one sentence that's different from the 15 previous versions of books that came out. Yeah. I'm not knocking people. Sorry. I know that that may be somebody's, you know, some people's in, you know, into different things, but like, easy now yeah. right like everything's a how to live your life okay let's stop the internet first of all if you're google diagnosing yourself i don't ever want to hear how to live my life from you okay yeah. if you're doing that i we there's no need for us ever to have a conversation on how i need to improve my life because god knows what you're looking at okay that's number one number two if you are a person who says something and never responds in the comments to anybody, I have just about zero use for you as well. Yeah. Um, because all you're doing is the same thing. It's a marketing ploy and it's basically a social media MLM. I have no use for it. Okay? No, and sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. That, that I was, was just going to quick. That was I, was, yeah, I was just going to quickly say that I think it goes back to what you said earlier in the episode, which is that it's stories that actually teach us things. So rather than like you're saying, creating a how-to, like a step-by-step, -step, why not share a story that might actually give some context to people and have a lesson that they can pull from it, rather than you know, here's 
20 steps or like you're saying, and, and I, I agree, I see it all the time, eight steps to this, three steps to that, whatever. And even myself, I thought about writing an article, like, you know, the three things that helped me build, uh, grow my podcast. And then I was like, why, why? Because everybody else is doing it. And, and I think it'd be better if I just sort of told the story as to like the struggles of getting started and then like what I, I what I, you know, did to help myself. And one of the biggest things was just reaching out to people and, and talking to people, like you're saying, networking and, and getting the advice from people rather than just sort of reading books and articles and this and that. You know what I do to a how-to? I skim it right? You say how to build a podcast. Yeah. I look through all your bullet points. I look through those, the, the keywords that I know I'm looking for. And then I get rid of it. Yeah. Okay. If you are actually telling a story, I'm going to remember who you were. I don't even know the person's name when I look for a how to, or so, I don't even look at the person. Yeah. Right. Like I look at the site, it comes from a, from a reputable source. I do those things, but I do not, I, I don't pay attention to every single person, you know, name that's there. I look for the reputable source. I know it's coming from a reputable, reputable source from the, the location of where it comes. Um, but no, you, you're giving me how to's. It's like, okay, great. Wonderful. Yeah. You no, tell I, me, a, you tell me a story. I'm a fan of yours for life, man, because I like stories. No, I even look at like Jay Shetty, for example, love him, love his content. I think he's an awesome dude. But uh, when I listen to his podcast, for example, I'll listen to all his interview episodes because I love the story. I love hearing people's story and what they've done and how they've gotten to where they've got. But then I think it is on Fridays, he does like uh, eight ways to whatever. I haven't listened to a single one of those episodes. And even when I do, I'm sort of like doing something else and blocking it out because it just doesn't like, it doesn't do anything for me because I think like you said, it's one of those things where it's like, just because you think it took those eight steps or those three steps or whatever. It doesn't mean it's going to be relatable to everybody else. Whereas that interview, there's probably 20 things I found in there that I related to and I can actually learn from. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I definitely understand what you're saying there and it's, it's bringing a lot of things to, to mind. So when you tell a story, I don't listen to your stuff when I'm working, when, when it's a how to, and you're not telling a story, I will listen to your stuff while I'm working because yeah. I can, I can tune it out. Yeah. And you only pick up what you really need to or what, what you want to No, exactly. definitely. So if you went to, if you were to think, you know, about everything that sort of happened to you, all the things that you sort of discussed throughout this episode, how would you say it's helped you get to where you're at today? You know, with your book, with all the things that you're sort of moving towards. I know we started the, the conversation here just off air. We talked about, you know, the fact that you're looking to start your own podcast soon. Like, how would you say all of it's helped you sort of get to where you're at right now? So, uh, I had no, um, I had no prior education in writing in that, to that capacity, nor did I have, uh, any education in, in publishing, nor did I have it in book advertising or marketing, right? <clears throat> None of that. And, uh, as we discussed prior, I'm just the kind of, the kind of person who can pick something up, learn it um, create something with it. And if I continue to move forward with it, I continue to move forward with it. If I don't, I don't, uh, when, when writing my book, it did, it started off as a self-help project. And from that, uh, it started helping people. People liked the story. It wasn't a how to, 
get sober or how to start a business or how to, there are so many different things in this book. It's called on borrow time, the reinvention of a lost soul. It's, it's available on Amazon. It's available all over globally. Um, but, uh, it started off as a self-help project and eventually started helping people. And then I'm like, wow, I need to start to learn how to publish this thing because no publishers are going to take my story. I don't have a Hollywood last name. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have, you know, fortune 500 companies or the next big topic on anything else. So <clears throat> I had to start learning and take those bumps and bruises kind of as I went. And I've now been in, you know, uh, four different bookstores. I've been in three different Barnes and Nobles. Um, I've been on podcasts. I've been on major radio networks, you know, WVOX back in New York. Um, and I've set those up myself, right? I did my own scheduling. I had those conversations with people. So there's been a lot of bumps along the road. This is a really scary process. It's not easy. Okay. I don't care who's telling you it, 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 there's two ways of doing it long and slow or a lot of money and fast. Yeah. And most people don't have the lot of money in fast. Yeah. Okay. And I don't think that people understand that. Like I had no background in it. I just was like, I'm going to try and do it. That's my personality. I get people get stricken by fear. Fear does two things. Either motivates the holy hell out of you or it cripples you. Mm-hmm. There is no in between. Okay. So, oh, I packaged this much fear. No, you didn't. It doesn't work like that. Okay. It's either you've accepted the vulnerabilities that you have and you have self-awareness of how you can benefit yourself utilizing those, that's it. You are not Superman. You are not Wolverine. You are not one of the X-Men. You are not one of the Avengers. You cannot craft certain abilities at certain times. It doesn't work like that, okay? Now, can you train and get to that point where you have more self-awareness, more control over impulse? Absolutely when you've trained that way, right? Like just going into this, you're not going to have those things, which is hence where the mistakes come in. Right. So, um, long story short, I started setting up these book, uh, these book signings and I started meeting people that were reading my creation, my book, most powerful thing I've ever encountered in my entire life. I mean, I've done speeches before. I've spoken with people, obviously, you know, where people tell me they like my voice. They like the story that I tell. Um, I'm energetic. I, you know, I, I, I inspire people, right? These are things that I've heard. Okay, wonderful. Great. Well, I wrote this book, which is where I was completely vulnerable. Never wrote a book before, never published a book before, never did anything with a book before. And now I'm going to expose myself to the entire world as an author. So I did. That, that didn't bother me. What was going to bother me was the people who I actually gave a damn what they thought. I cared what they thought about the book. Yeah. Right. And then it switched. Right. When I started meeting these people who read my stuff that I had no idea who the hell they were, I started being touched by their story. I started, I started finding more of a reason to want to either write a follow-up or keep in contact or promote the book. I had, Two people waiting for me when I showed up for my signing yesterday. Now, I've done a little bit of marketing. It wasn't anything crazy, but these were people who heard from other people, then read the reviews, and they went after, and they were sitting there waiting. You know what I did? I got them a chair. Sit next to me. You're not just buying my book. Yeah. You're buying me, right? I know that from sales. 
we've all done sales. When somebody's truly buying something, they're buying it from you. Yeah. Right. So I sat with those people for an hour while other people came to the tables, they were purchasing books. I was still having the conversation with two fans that, that, uh, you know, that loved my book, loved my story, thought it was inspirational and they, they wanted a signature for me. And from that, I got it. I got two things that are awesome. I got peanut butter and I got jam. Okay. <laughs> because outside one of the ladies who had heard about it came in, she goes, these are one of my products. And I said, you know what, better yet, I'm going to promote your products across all my networks. You know, am I allowed to do that? Is that okay? And she goes, well, yeah, yeah, that would be wonderful. That wasn't the point of it. The point I didn't tell you was she was an inspiring, a person who was inspiring to finish writing one of her books that dealt with some stuff that her family did a long time ago. It wasn't bad. It was yeah. you know, creative stuff, but she was so fearful to actually, to actually finish it and publish it. So what I do, I gave her my email and I said, whatever questions you have, let me know. And I'll walk you through exactly what I did. Like what's so hard about that? Now I get it, you know, 50,000 people at a signing, you're not going to do that. I get it. But like, you can still be intimate with people by actually talking to them as opposed to marketing them. Yeah. Right. And so that conversation and those interactions that I have with those individuals on a human level, that will last longer than any marketing that you could ever pay for. No, for sure. I, again, I think it, it, a lot of, you know, what you said there just ties back to what you were talking about much earlier in the episode in terms of not giving up in terms of, you know, looking for people that are going to support you that are going to help you, whether it be family or friends, you know, like when you were, when you were started trying to get started in your hockey career there and you couldn't uh, stop. And you, you said, you know, I didn't just go by myself. I had friends that came with me and yeah, they razzed me and yeah, they laughed, but I'm sure they were there supporting you just as much because you could have just gone by yourself, which would have been lonely and probably even more deterring because you would have just been by yourself, but with friends there and everything, it helps you. So I can completely understand how, you know, sort of all ties into where you're at now and, and why you decide to sort of make that those more, I guess, intimate relationships with a few of your, your you know, your fans that showed up early that wanted your time and, and you gave it to them. So I can, I can definitely see how it all sort of ties in and relates. So would you say at this point in your life that you found success and fulfillment, or would you say that you're still on a journey towards that? I think my answer is going to be a little different um, <laughs> because I was given less than 48 hours to live. So, you know, uh, that was in 2004. And so as of yesterday, that was my uh, 16 year anniversary of being alive. Right? Oh, wow. because I, was, I was given less than 48 hours to live with the bacterial infection on my heart called endocarditis. And the endocarditis actually started I was hemorrhaging under my toes. I was hemorrhaging under, you know, this, this finger actually was like that big, like it was that fat right around. And like um, say the size of like a loony or something. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, better way to do it is, is, you know, take a, uh, a you know, screen spray bottle, right. Yeah. Take that, look at it around, like whose finger is that big, right? Yeah. It's not right. So, um, that's what happened. And, uh, it was black and I was starting to hemorrhage behind my eyes, which it was going into my brain. And uh, so we got rushed to the emergency room and I was given less than 48 hours because basically when they, when they were going to start pumping me with all of the medication that, that might help, right. It, it wasn't guaranteed. You know, there's always a, a failure of uh, kidney failure or um, liver failure or just internal organs, right. Because just the, the shock to your body. So nothing guaranteed. 
So when you say that, mine's a little different, right? Because I've already experienced that traumatic of an event. So mm-hmm. like everything from that point, I'm extremely grateful, right? Like I'm, I'm, that's me. But do I deal with like, I'm not good enough? Do I deal with like, this is not quick enough? Do I deal with uh, this could be better? Why isn't this? Why not me? Every single day. Yeah. Every single day. I think that's what people need to understand is like, there's nobody walking, even the most predominant social media figures, you know, uh, government officials, all of these people. I want you guys to understand that a lot of their stuff is planned. So you're getting reactions that they had time behind the curtains to actually filter through what you need to learn or what I think that people need to learn. Um, and this is not a how to, this is just a piece of advice. Take a second, process that information and then utilize your self-awareness and then respond. Right? Because I think if, if you do that, it's okay to, to have a podcast, get some bad information and let it fly because that inspires other people. And that might touch people who are in that same position at that same time. And the reason why I say this is I met a lady yesterday who came in, she wasn't there to buy my book, but she met me. And then she heard me over talking. I, I, I sold a good amount of books, not going to lie, you know, for being there. It was, it was a, it was a great time. It turned out well. So I was like, Hey, I'm great. Even selling one was better. Right. Because this was <laughs> something I set up there. It wasn't this whole thing. Right. So I, I didn't, I wasn't going in there. Like I'm going to sell 85 books. Yeah. Um, this lady walks up and she goes, I heard your story. You mind if I ask you a question? So she starts going into a couple of things. In my opinion, she's more of a hero than what she thinks I am. So you see how that works? Like just because we went, I went through something, it doesn't mean it's the end all be all. I can Mm -hmm. still always be inspired. Yeah. And I don't know everything, but I shared that experience of what I went through with her and that helped her because it was a different perspective. I didn't tell her how she should live her life. I didn't tell her what she needs to do. I said, this is what helped me. And that's the exact style that I wrote my book was it's a story between you and I. I'm telling you my story. What you take of it is what you take of it. And that's where it's been successful, but it's not a punch you in the face. Like you need to do this yeah. to survive and become this person and do that. I did. That's not me. So I was not going to put out a book that was going to be that way. Right. Um, yeah. I just, I, I really have a concern for kids, you know, coming up because I just, I, I think that they're, con- they're conditioned. I see what my kids, even with school, like my kid literally has, if he's got off the next two weeks, he literally has five pieces of paper and they're like, that's his homework. I'm like, are you kidding me? My kid's in third grade and he can read it at, at a ninth grade level because I, we, we constantly made him read. We made him, you know, improve his education. Mm-hmm. We did all that stuff. Um, so he's good, right? Like he's a really, really smart boy. And, and I'm, I'm grateful for that because sometimes no matter what you do, it doesn't help. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it won't, it, they won't be there yet. But like, seriously, you gave him five pieces of paper for two weeks. Like that's, that's maybe five minutes of homework a day for five days. Yeah. I don't know about you, but when I went to school, like I was dreading, like I, <laughs> if that person put their hand up at the end of class, like right before the Friday when like you were running away and they're like, are we getting homework? It was like, <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, like, like, you're like, stop it, stop it, stop it. You know? And, and that was the whole, that was kind of the deal. So, uh, but no, he's, I just don't feel like people are being challenged enough in all sincerity. I think, uh, we, we kind of float by until reality hits us. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening with, with social media. And I, I don't know if it's a positive or negative. I don't want to be like Debbie Downer. Um, but that, I just feel like the reality that hits us, hits us really hard. And I don't know the perfect way to satisfy that, you know, moving forward yet. No. So down to the last couple of things here. Um, sort of the last question that I have, I guess, is essentially, you know, if somebody were to listen back to this, I mean, you shared a lot of different things on a lot of, and touched on a lot of different subjects, but if somebody were to walk away from this with sort of three key lessons from your life and three things that have helped you sort of get to where you're at, what would you say those three key sort of lessons or takeaways would be? Keep going. Don't give up. Right. Until you in your heart of hearts, uh, you want to do that. And I say that from experience. So the, <clears throat> I say that from experience being, um, I, it's well documented inside my book that, you know, went to marriage counseling, things like that, right? Like marriage is hard, yeah. right. For, for a lot of people, but it's just, being truthful. Um, I didn't give up on the marriage because in my heart, I didn't want to have that conversation with my kids down the road unless I felt a thousand percent, um, behind it. Yeah. Right. I didn't want to do that because then if I had to have that conversation and I didn't feel a hundred percent in my heart that that was the right decision, then me personally, I couldn't stand behind it. Right. And so I wouldn't be fulfilled with the response that I gave or the information that I was getting back. That's number one. So in your heart of hearts, if you feel that you need to keep going, keep going. If you feel that it's time, hey, I need to put this aside, stop doing this or whatever else, that that to me was my gauge. Mm -hmm. Number two, um, there's nothing wrong with speaking your opinion and, and being a person who goes against what other people are saying. And because growing up in high school and being a predominant hockey player, um, I never heard the word no. Didn't happen. And when I started hearing the word no in my life, that changed my perception of things, right? So I think it's good that people speak their mind. And I think it's really a blessing that like LinkedIn, for example, right? Isn't just this, you know, pillow fight, you know, between people, right? Where you can't ever say anything bad about my stuff, you know, like any of this, like, that's just not going to happen. That's not real life also. Yeah. Okay. So I think the more that we could model how actual real life is, I think we'll be better for it. Uh, the third thing is find support because in essence, support is what is also going to save you. Right? So some people will say, I don't have a huge family like you, Anthony. So, you know, I don't have that support. Um, social media gives you every option to find mentors. Uh, professionals, people you can learn from and networking. Where are you not finding support? Right? Maybe you don't want a business support. Okay, fine. Then there's, there's networks out there that then after you meet somebody online, you can do the next human step. You can call them. You can video conference them, right? Like just, hi, are you real? Yes, I'm real. Awesome. I made a new friend. That's yeah. not life, right? So um, I think, bringing the human element back to it and doing that diligence, right? All in all fundamentals. 
I'll sum it up like that. The three things that I just gave you are like life fundamentals. And if we can continue doing that, I think we can expand upon that with all the amazing technology, all the different things that we have out there, we can do that. Um, but I think we, we need to get back to fundamentals. We need to get back to uh, really building culture and not political views or building culture and not just who's the coolest at the moment, right? Yeah. We're always going to have cool people. We're always going to have innovative people. We're always going to have that stuff. Um, but we need to get back to being humans. And I think if we can do that, I think we'll be extremely successful. The more and more that we just rely on technology as our adaptation, as opposed to adapting to the technology, I think we're going to see more and more problems until we actually look at the original way that we should be doing this. And that's having technology adapt around us as opposed to us adapting around technology. That makes sense. That makes sense. So the last thing I like to have every guest do is, is basically just promote themselves, give them an opportunity to talk about what they're doing, how to get in touch with them, so on and so forth. So the floor is yours. Go ahead. All right. Well, it kind of felt like the floor was mine this whole time. So I apologize for that. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> it seems, okay. Seems That's happen. what it's all about. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, so <clears throat> you can always look, you know, look me up on LinkedIn, Anthony J. Williams III or Anthony Williams. I'll, I'll, I'll pop up. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, my most recent project on borrowed time, uh, The Reinvention of a Lost Soul is a book which is available digitally. Uh, it's in all digital stores. It's on Amazon. Uh, it's also paperback. It's also hardcover. Uh, I will be putting out an audio book. I didn't realize how much time actually has to go into that to do it. So, uh, but I will be putting that out. Uh, also my website, the independent mouth and the podcast, which will actually be called the independent mouth as well, which will be coming out. Um, so you can see all of that stuff there. Uh, find me wherever I'm, I'm not, there's no shortage of me out there, you know, commenting <laughs> on other people's, you know, posts or, getting involved. I've been doing interviews also, you know, on LinkedIn and across and building up and guys, I've done a little bit of everything, which is why I just, I feel like I have the freedom to talk. You know, I, I've done game design and I've done consulting for companies. I've worked with telecom. I've worked with app development. I've worked in almost every technical, you know, space that you can find on top of like sales and everything else. Right. So, um, I'm officially a Jack of all trades. I get it, you know, master of none. Yeah. Um, but, uh, what I will say is this, I think people please expand yourselves the way that I've done. If you like what I bring to the table, like share, follow my stuff. Um, I will engage with you and I'm, I'm always looking for more content. So, um, I have people approach me on a regular basis saying, Hey, you know, what about this idea? What about this? And, um, I just try and give them as, as honest of advice as I possibly can, but, uh, just go follow me. The, the, the podcast is going to be one of the new hottest things that comes out, which will be called the independent mouth. So. Uh, but otherwise my book, if you want to, if you want a story that is going to take you on a roller coaster, um, then that's my book. Hands down. There's no question on borrowed time, the reinvention of a lost soul. Awesome, man. Well, again, it's been a pleasure having you on. Like I said, you covered a lot of different subjects and that's the one thing I like about podcasts is they're not all the same. Not every guest is the same. Um, and, and I think that you shared a lot of valuable information. And like you said, at the end there, those three things that you shared, I, I do believe as well are, are sort of the fundamentals. So um, hopefully people take them down and, and use them and learn something from them. But uh, again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing so openly and uh, I look forward to staying connected. Yeah, stay connected, man. And, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to reciprocate the invite to you and have you on. And, uh, and then this way you get to promote yourself. But you're doing a great thing, man. And allowing people to come on and share their stories is 
is absolutely amazing, giving them a little bit of a platform. And, uh, and I truly appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Not a problem, man. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Brian Almeida, by searching my name on all platforms. If the podcast has impacted you in any way, I would also greatly appreciate a review. Lastly, if you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, I would love to have them on. Thank you and see you next week.